0: Thank you for praying with me. And if you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. That's page 517 in the church Bibles, which I have right here. Page 517, Proverbs, chapter 31. And I have a question for the children here among us. So if you are young at heart, here's a question for you. Let's say that you are playing outside. And as you're running about, doing what you do so very well, you fall and you scrape your knee. Now, you you try to be tough, but it hurts so much that you run inside crying, looking for your dad, because you need a Band-Aid and a hug. Now, how would you feel if... When you found your dad, instead of giving you that Band-Aid and a hug, your dad didn't even pay attention to you because he was playing a game on his phone. All right, adults in the room. Let's say that your workplace is in shambles. You were, you were facing major financial difficulties and staffing issues and mor- low morale and, and things like that. And some of you are like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> you also try to be tough, but it hurts so much that you s- try to set up a meeting with your boss because your organization also needs a Band-Aid and a hug and maybe some better leadership. Now, how would you feel if once you finally got that meeting set up, it got canceled because your boss was out late partying the night before, and your boss had a hangover, and so they canceled your meeting. In our text this morning, we will see why it is necessary that those with power use that power to meet the needs of others and not for self-serving distractions. And our text is just as instructive for dads and executives today as it was for Israelite kings many generations ago. So please follow along with me as I read verses one through nine in Proverbs chapter 31. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. In considering God's word to us this morning, let's first look at the introduction to this poem in verse 1 and then... We'll cover the the rest of those verses in two sections, what kings should not do, which is verses 2 through 5, and then what kings should do in verses 6 through 9. So let's take a look at the queen's wise words in verse 1. Just a couple observations here I want to draw your attention to. First, these words are ascribed to King Lemuel. Unfortunately, we don't know who King Lemuel is. There is no record of him elsewhere in the Bible or in any extra biblical text that we are aware of. His name means belonging to God or for God. Some believe that this, this name might be a pseudonym for Solomon, but why a pseudonym would be used here and not elsewhere in Proverbs is unclear. So I, I don't put a lot of stock in that. Some Bible translations, including some you might have in front of you, even render the verse a little differently, identifying Lemuel as king of Massa. But that doesn't help us much more, because we don't know anything about that either. In our case, our ignorance here might be the very point. That is, as we'll discuss in a moment, it seems as though Lemuel was behaving foolishly. And while he obviously understood enough to write down this poem that his mother made him memorize, it's possible that he did not take his own advice, and so both his name and his kingdom fell into obscurity. One more important observation here. King Lemuel, whoever he is, ascribes these words first to his mom, a queen. And so, as the Bible so often does, words of wisdom are placed into the mouths of women. Now, women rarely had much formal power in ancient cultures, but here is a striking example of just how influential and important their words could be. Indeed, this Queen's little poem is still being read and applied 2,000 years later, or more than that, probably 3,000 years later, and on the other side of the world from where she composed it good luck having the same kind of fame. (laughs) And so while this section is speaking first and foremost to kings, particularly to Lemuel, there is wisdom to, to be gleaned and passed along by men and women and by kings and commoners alike. So let's hear her wise words this morning and increase in learning. So let's talk about what kings should not do. Here's, here's what's happening in verses 2 through 5. First, in verse 2, we see a three-fold questioning of Lemuel. What are you doing? And then in verses 3 through 5, we see two rebukes of Lemuel's self-serving distractions of sex and alcohol. So, ver- verse 2, it says this. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? now in the original hebrew as i understand it these words here that are rendered what are you doing is actually just the hebrew word what which makes it a little tricky to figure out exactly what the queen intends here like this could be what as in what advice should i give you my son or as every mom here well knows it could be what as in what on earth are you doing (laughs) What are you doing, King Dummyhead? <laughs> now, I'm personally inclined towards the t- King Dummy Head version. <laughs> and, and that seems to be what, the, what our ESV translation seems to agree with here. But, but ultimately, it probably doesn't matter too much. The fact that she says it not just once, not just twice, but three times here is meant to get our attention. This is the ancient e- Hebrew equivalent of bold caps. That's, that's, this is not casual advice. In fact, it's so important that she turned these warnings into this short little song that she made him memorize. This is, this is perhaps somewhat like leaves of three, let them be. Does anybody here not know what that means? Find a friend afterwards. Okay, Jimmy needs some, uh, some help. That'll serve him well later on. Or, or you know, I, I, I serve often in our nursery, and there's a little book in there that uh, Piper Williams makes me read every week, five little monkeys jumping on the bed. And as we know, they sequentially fall off and bump their heads. Yes. And so they, that, that's a warning to us. We all know, okay, the lesson of this little story is don't jump on the bed. So if it's helpful to you this morning, here's a little poem. Five little monkeys jumping on the bed. Here are two vices of king dummy head. You're welcome. So here you go. In verses three through five, Lemuel's mom calls out two particular areas of concern that she's bold caps shouting at Lemuel about sex and alcohol. First, she deals with sex in verse three. Do not give your strength to women, to those who destroy kings. All right, so let's get this out of the way immediately. King Lemuel's mother, the queen, a woman herself, is not saying that women themselves are wicked things to be avoided. Praise God. Okay, she can't mean that. And I'll give you three brief reasons. First, because her words are recorded by Lemuel and, and and placed here in the Proverbs. So if women were inherently the problem, Lemuel could have just left that part out and kept the... He'd be like, yeah, I know the song, aren't I wise? No, but he ascribes it to her. He rightly honors her wisdom. Second, we know that women themselves are not the problem because the rest of this chapter is about a woman of incredibly godly character. And we're going to talk about that more in just a, a couple of weeks as we, as we finish our study of Proverbs. And the third reason that the queen is not saying the women are the problem is that the queen did not say, do not give your strength to a woman, but rather do not give your strength to women Friends, the great danger for kings back then and the same danger for us today is not that you'd find a spouse, but that you'd not be satisfied with a spouse. Instead, you want to have many spouses. And this is not because you have boundless love and overflowing affection to distribute liberally among so many happy souls. No, this is because you and I are tempted towards self serving indulgence particularly self-serving sexual indulgence and that's not rare today and it wasn't rare back in lemuel's day and it's not rare in america and it's not rare around the world and it's not rare in politics or in academia or even sad to say in churches and that last one really stings doesn't it like You'd think that those who call upon the name of the Lord would know better and would do better. But it appears that Lemuel needed this reminder and he needed this rebuke. And he's far from being the only one. Perhaps you are familiar with King Solomon who had the the incomprehensible number of 700 wives and 300 concubines, which the scriptures tell us plainly turned his heart away from the Lord, his God. And even the incredible reputation of Israel's greatest King, King David was tragically and forever marred when he gave his strength, not to battle, but to Bathsheba. Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy Kings. This poetic couplet makes clear that when Kings given to this temptation Everyone loses. Everyone loses. Women are shamed and abused and kings are destroyed and as goes the king, so goes the kingdom. Men, young men, old men, men with little power and men with great power, do not give your strength to women and your ways to those who destroy kings. And women, while Lemuel's mother's poem here is particularly about his actions, Lemuel's actions, her words and warnings are just as applicable to you as well. And so men and women alike, you likely don't have access to a harem like King Lemuel had. You might not even have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. But let me ask, is pornography destroying you? It's destroying those on the screen and, and with every click and tap, you are providing vile, wicked men with more money and more resources and more power that they can use to ruin the lives of still more women and still more men do not give your ways to those who destroy Kings. So sex is the first vice both Lemuel and we are warned against. Here's the other. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Lemuel's mother is telling us that those with power ought not drink alcohol because they'll forget why they have power in the first place. Friends, whether you're a king or a manager or a mom or a teenager, the very nature of alcohol is that it causes you to forget your purpose Kings forget the decrees and laws and rights of their subject. Managers forget the the needs of their employees. Moms forget the needs of their children. Teenagers forget that their families and their communities and their churches could surely use their energy and their strength and their compassion. I'm not saying that the only purpose of kings and managers and moms and teenagers are those things, but Lemuel's mom here is saying it's not less than those things. Right? These words are recorded for us here because all of us are susceptible to forgetting what God would have us do with the power He's given us by drowning it with alcohol. Now let me be clear. I don't think that this poem is intended to simply create a nice little checklist for us. I'm not giving my strength to women. Check. I am not drinking to the point of forgetting. Check. Thanks, Tom. Ready to move on. No, I, rather, I think that these are simply two cases. Perhaps two of the most dangerous cases. Perhaps the cases that kings are especially tempted toward. But, but these are two examples of a broader truth that all people, kings and commoners alike, are very easily drawn towards self-serving distractions while overlooking the needs of others. So yes, given the opportunity, most of us will be tempted towards sex or alcohol or both. And some here have struggled or are right now struggling with those very things. But perhaps, by God's grace, that's not you. And if so, praise God. But the draw towards self-serving distractions is still there it's lurking in other forms so let me ask what distracts you in what ways do you use your power your energy your abilities selfishly in our culture today we are absolutely inundated with opportunities for such distractions they're everywhere we are obsessed as a culture with games Games like video games, card games, sports of every variety. Others of us are distracted by the news and we're just news junkies and they're constantly reading about what's new, whether it's technology or something happening in the world. You want to be the first to know you're obsessed with politics. You want to know everything about everyone or, or just try reading a few articles on your phone without seeing advertisements to buy something or read something or watch something. Social media, at its very core, is designed to distract you. That's why it exists, to make it exceptionally difficult to stop scrolling and watching and liking and then then reposting so that others can do the same. Friends, our attention is the food of the entertainment industry. And it has an endless appetite. Now, now, please don't misunderstand. None of those things is, is bad in proper context and moderation. Just as the scriptures are clear that sex is a wonderful gift from the Lord and alcohol has good purposes, so do games and politics and yes, even social media. They can be enjoyed when, when utilized within, within, uh, good boundaries that God gives and in reasonable quantities. Minecraft is fun. <laughs> Football is fun. And, and elections really do matter. Please educate yourself on those things. So the key question for us to ask is this. To what extent are you forgetting the needs of others in favor of your own self-serving distractions? I'll say that again. To what extent are you forgetting the needs of others in favor of of your own self-serving distractions. Let me offer a final warning here before moving on to the next point. The very nature of distraction is that we usually don't recognize when we're distracted. It's insidious. You know, it's not Lemuel who first notices his behavior here, right? But it's his mom who's watching him and who is dismayed. Similarly, you won't recognize, most likely, when you are distracted. We all know this. You load up Facebook to look up an old friend, and four hours later, you're like, what happened? (laughs) So you won't recognize your own self-serving distractions in that way, but others will. They'll notice. And if you're truly serious about taking Lemuel's And his mother's wisdom to heart here you should therefore ask others about it and be ready to listen to what they have to say you probably won't like what they say be warned but if you are wise you too will record what they say write it down keep it close at hand maybe even memorize it personally I have a Google Doc that surprises none of you if you know me. Uh, I, I have a Google Doc containing an entire list of such warnings like this from those who, do, those who know me best. I've asked about a dozen close friends, some of you are in this room right now, and I asked them, where do you think I'm in the most danger of forgetting the needs of others in, in favor of my own self-serving distractions? I've had this list for over, over a year now. And I wrote down what they said. I, I, I open and I read that Google Doc very intentionally, very purposely, first thing every Monday morning. It is one of the most precious and valuable resources that I have because it has helped me many times to see and to avoid the particular self-serving temptations that, that, that cling so closely to me and has made me a far better leader on account of seeing that and running the other way. Okay. With these poetic warnings fresh in mind, Lemuel's mother now pivots her poem from what kings should not do to what kings should do. Having left self-serving distractions behind, this is what kings are made for. So let me read again verses 6 through 9 to get it back in our mind nice and fresh. She says, Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Okay, so if we assume for a moment that Lemuel took his mother's words to heart. And he says, you're right, mom. I've been distracted by these things. This is alcohol is a self-serving distraction. So I got all these bottles. I'm the king. Should I smash them all? To which his mother replies, no. Because among your people are those who are dying or in great distress or great misery. And they could use a drink. Now, I don't think that this text is intended to advocate for the government handing out free beer. I can't even imagine how terrible that beer would be. <laughs> but just as those who have, who have undergone recent surgery are no doubt thankful for the variety of drugs available to them to ease their suffering as they recover... Or just as a a soldier is given morphine to ease the pain of a bullet wound, so could Lemuel use his resources in his suffering kingdom. I don't think she was making that up. Still, I think the queen is trying to make a much bigger point here. Although Lemuel had been selfishly distracting himself from his own problems, he is now sobering up enough to see that the problems of his people are far greater still. Lemuel, you think you've got problems? Your people are perishing. Your people are in bitter distress and they're crying out for a hero, someone to rescue them. And Lemuel, that's you! So sure, give them a drink as a quick fix, Lemuel. Do it. But it's your job, O king, to fix the problems. That's why you're a king to begin with. That's why God put you there. Open your mouth, Lemuel, not to pour in alcohol. Open your mouth, Lemuel, for the mute, for those who can't open their mouths. Open your mouth, Lemuel, to uphold the rights of those you previously Forgotten. Open your mouth to judge, not in selfishness, but in righteousness. Open your mouth not to take advantage of the poor and needy, but to defend them. Lemuel, you are better than this. You are made for more than this. You were created by God and established by God to meet the needs of others. That's what power is for. How do we know this? Because that's how God uses his power. Consider the state of man and woman after they first sinned in the garden of Eden. They were the very definition of poor and needy. Pathetic little creatures who shook their fists at their king and now were covered with a couple scraggly little fig leaves and were filled to the brim with guilt and shame and sin and death. And it's those poor wretches that God considered and clothed and cared for. And if you continue flipping through the pages of your Bible after that account, you'll find story after story of men and women who, who, you know, they were, they didn't have a lot of power. Some did, some had little. They were, but they were mute and miserable, destitute and poor, and our God came to rescue them again and again and again and again. Spoiler alert, that's what this is all about. (laughs) You and I would surely have given up on such people as that by the second, or if we're really merciful, maybe by the third time. Because when when human leaders have unchecked power, they almost inevitably use it for their own self-serving distractions. But our God had all power and all authority and every right to give up on us. And he never did. In fact, he did the unthinkable. 2,000 years ago, our great king, God himself, came to us in the flesh as a human infant. The very definition of poor and needy. And that baby whose name was Jesus grew into a man who though tempted in every way, not once, not even once gave in to a self-serving distraction. Instead, he opened his mouth for the mute. And he opened his mouth, the mouths of the mute. He defended the rights of the poor and needy, lifting them from the poverty of their sin and meeting their needs in every way in himself. In the end, though innocent and though he could have opened his mouth to judge his own case in righteousness and with great judgment upon those who were crucifying him, he was selfless to the end and he gave up his life on that Roman cross condemned as a criminal, even refusing the wine, the strong drink that he was offered to help ease his pain. To what end? Why did Jesus die? One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die, but we were neither. Yet our God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So perhaps you're here this morning and you don't consider yourself a Christian. Or perhaps you think of yourself as a Christian, but you're not quite sure why it was that Jesus had to die and what that has to do with you. You, friend, if that's you, you are the poor and needy. You are the destitute. You are the one who is in bitter distress of sin. And you don't have the power and you don't have the self-control to get free. But our great king, Jesus Christ, rescued you, not simply by handing you a glass of wine to numb your pains, but by giving his life that you might be fully satisfied in him. To this point in your life, you have been distracting yourself from your miseries, whether by drinks or by sex, or by games, or by something else entirely. But this morning, if you are at all convicted by these words from God's word, that is the spirit of God at work in you. And that is God's invitation for you to trust in Jesus Christ and to become part of his royal family. Now, trust me, I understand the strangeness of that invitation i get how strange it sounds how strange and even how wonderful it sounds that that strange mixed feeling because listen i i used to spend hours and hours and hours playing game after game conquering tiny world after tiny world until jesus christ opened my eyes to his world his enormous wonderful wonderful world full of broken and suffering people who needed rescue by his grace he caused the scales to fall from my eyes he caused my ears to be opened and i heard his invitation you you're made for more than this tom i created you for so much more than what you're doing don't you want that and and i did and so i accepted his invitation and he showed me himself and he showed me his power and the incredible glory of his mission. And then he opened my mouth for the mute. Listen, sometimes I fear because so many of you have known me for years now that, that you think that I've always been like this loud and bold and confident and I hope kind, but that's not who I was. It's not, if only you knew me. Oh, praise God that you didn't know me. <laughs> I was quiet and shy and fearful and aimless and, and, and selfish and angry. I didn't love God and I didn't love other people. I just loved me. And I used my friends and I used my family and I used my employer and I used women and I stood against the king of the universe and I shook my fist at him. And you know what he did for me? He died. He died for me. And I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And so I, I, I pondered and I questioned and I cried and I prayed. And then he called me to this. And he called me to you. And then he changed me. So that I became more than I was. And I can't take an ounce of credit. If there's anything good in here, anything at all, it's got to be him. I was the poor and needy in spirit. And my king came for me. And then he said to me, just as he said to King Lemuel, and just as he is saying to you here, Grace Fellowship Church, this morning, don't waste your life. Accept the invitation that Jesus is offering you. Become more than you are by His grace and His power and then use your power to meet the needs of others not for self-serving indulgences, self-serving distractions. Do you want that? You ready for that? Alright. Here are a few suggestions. Fathers, Put away your phones and put on the band-aids. Managers, put away the bottle. Pay attention to the needs of your employees. And all of you, put pornography far, far away from you and help others to do the same. Now, do you want more ideas? We got plenty. Our church has an incredible care team led by Bonnie Drips, And as they become aware of the needs in our church, in our community, those who are in, in bitter distress or in poverty or have, have, who, who have other needs, they step in with both practical care and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our community regularly has opportunities to bring meals and to help those who are having babies or going through medical procedures or moving into new homes or even coming home from North Africa. Indeed. And so our care team steps in and they do exactly what Lemuel was called to do. And they are doing it very well. And so if you're here this morning, you're saying, I want, I want to do this. I want to be part of this, but you don't know how talk to Bonnie, email Bonnie. Is Bonnie here today? Is she, is she in the nurse? She's in the nursery. She's serving right now. Who's surprised? Go find her and get on her list. She'll put you to work. Ask Bonnie how you could open your mouth for the mute in such ways. Now, kids, you, you're not off the hook here. Listen, we, we have a bunch of kids here at Grace Fellowship, a bunch of them. We also have some gray heads here at Grace Fellowship. And so, so if you're in either of those categories, at least some of you may feel like, I don't have much power. How could I do this? But let me assure you, you're never too young or too old to use your power to meet the needs of others rather than on self-serving distractions. My son Peter, right here in the front row, he regularly writes little love notes to friends and family, unprompted. And on days when I've personally felt lonely or overlooked or overwhelmed or unloved, those little notes spoke volumes of truth that I needed to hear. My mouth, my heart was mute, and my six-year-old opened his mouth for me. So, kiddos, let me give you a job. If you want to be part of this, ask your parents, not right now, in a few minutes, ask your parents how you could help those in your communities, in this church, your neighbors, about, ask them about people who might be lonely or needy or sad and write them a little note, write them a little card, draw some hearts on it, draw pretty things and tell them Jesus loves them. You'll be well on your way to becoming a wise king or a powerful queen in the years to come. And what of the more mature members among us well as some of you know a couple of weeks ago ben and aries rodriguez moved to town if you haven't met them go say hi after the service they moved to town they showed up in this enormous penske truck this thing was a monster they moved they're moving from across the country here to state college do you want to know who the first person to show up to help was randy schreckengast who I don't think is here, so he's probably grateful. He, if you're watching at home, Randy, hi. <sighs> Guys, Randy is not a spring chicken. Sorry, Randy. Uh, and, and no doubt we could all come up with a whole slew of reasons why of all people, Randy has, has earned the right to spend the rest of his days on self-serving distractions. Who, who could fault him for that? He's earned it, right? Like, that's your life. That's what AARP is telling him. Rest, relax, distract yourself for the rest of your days. But guess what? Randy's not buying it. He's not believing those lies. Instead, he's using the power Christ has given him, not for self-serving distractions, but to meet the needs of others, people he doesn't even know. Let's not let the gray heads get all the glory. Don't let them have it. So here's your chance to do like Randy did. Our very own Jenna Greaser. Could you raise your hand, Jenna? Go ahead, raise it. There she is. She's moving this week. She's starting moving probably like right after the service. And and the big stuff is moving next weekend. And so if you want something super practical to apply this message, to be a king and a queen in Christ's kingdom, go over to... to, to Jenna, right after this message, and say, I want to help. In fact, if any of you are administratively organized and whatnot, maybe offer to be like the front man, and be like, everybody come to me, I'll organize it, Jenna, you just sit back, okay? I'm sure she would really appreciate that. Get there before Randy does. (laughs) Meet her needs. Be Christ's kings and queens. All right, let me just take one more minute, because there is one more thing I want to say One more group in this church that I want to make sure you do not mishear what I'm saying. And that's the poor and needy among us. Those whose lives have testified to their eagerness to meet the needs of others, but who for various reasons are unable right now to use that power to help other people. Some of you have your own head of gray hair. Some of you are far younger. And if that's you, I want to recognize that it's possible that you've read this text and heard this message and right now you feel burdened. You're saying, I want to help Jenna move. I want to serve other people, but I can't. What does that say about me? And if that's you, friend, please hear this. You are a gift to our church in God's wisdom and for his perfect purposes, which we cannot fully understand. He has laid a burden on you and he has invited us to help you carry it. That's what the church is for. That is what Kings and Queens are for. It's a glory and a joy for us to participate with, with, with you in that, because that's what Jesus Christ does for all of us. So that means that both you and he are both gifts to our church and we praise God for you both. Thank you for giving us the privilege to serve you well. So friends, all of you, please hear these wise words of this ancient queen. Let's use whatever power God has given us to meet the needs of others, not for self-serving distractions. Let's pray. Lord, we commit all these things to you. We who were the poor and needy ourselves, you came to us as our glorious king. Thank you for loving us that much. Jesus, I pray for those who are poor and needy in our communities, even here within these walls. God, use us to meet their needs. Show the world the glory of a transformed life in Christ. We pray it in his name. Amen.